Hey, this is Elijah, and welcome to an episode of the Master of Nothing podcast. Uh, if you have liked, subscribed, shared, if you've done anything to that nature, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I do really appreciate it. Um, there are so many podcasts out there. You could be anywhere. You could be listening to Joe Rogan. You could be listening to History Hyenas. You could be listening to Ice Project. Anywhere. Um, but you've decided to listen to me, and that means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, it is a... Monday morning, I'm feeling pretty good. I got a coffee in me. Um, feeling very energetic, even though I am sitting down, uh, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to feel good on a Monday morning. Uh, today's episode. Today's episode I'm going to be talking about uh, men's mental health, in particular in New Zealand. Um, and, you know, I think I've been seeing it a lot uh, recently. You know, people are doing podcasts around mental health and around, um, you know, in particular in New Zealand and with Māori and Pacific Islanders. I mean, it's, it's cool to see. It's really, really cool to see. You know, people are feeling like they can talk about it more, um, being vulnerable and just getting their perspectives out there, which is awesome. It's good to see people talking about it and um, it's something that needs to be discussed more, for sure. Um, I think the narrative is changing. I think people are talking more. Um and I believe it's out of necessity. I think that, you know, mental health has become such a big issue in New Zealand that people have just taken it upon themselves to talk about it. And it's, um, you know, I see a lot of podcasts from Australia and New Zealand and New Zealanders around the world talking about, you know, their experiences, their understanding of it, um, what they think should be done, shouldn't be done, yada, yada. And it's awesome. The more people talk about it, you know, the better. I think for uh, yeah, for me growing up, the only campaign I could really remember around mental health um, was the John Kerwin one. Anyone who doesn't know John Kerwin, um, stop listening right now, delete the podcast, you're not welcome. Uh, <laughs> no, he's an ex-All Black, bit of a New Zealand legend, and uh, you know, he battled with mental health issues throughout his career, and it wasn't until after his career that he started speaking up about it, or that he felt comfortable to speak up about it, you know? Being an all black, you obviously have their reputation of being like a real tough dude and gritty. And um, so I guess it wasn't until like later that he really felt comfortable to talk about things. And so his campaigns were really around sort of changing the stigma, the way people viewed it, you know, not viewing it as a weakness, but viewing it as like, you know, this is something that you can talk through, that you can work through and eventually come out the other end and be all good. But it's pretty crazy. Like, that that is the only campaign that I can think of growing up. I can't think of any others. You know, for how big of an issue mental health is in New Zealand, you would think that there would have been more campaigns around, you know, mental health, more people coming forth and talking about it, more ads around it, not just John Kerwin. And I uh, I remember those episodes. Oh, sorry, episodes. I remember those ads. The, the music is like stuck in my head. Him walking down the beach is a bit gloomy. He's got one of his stick drawing the little cuddle patterns in the sand. <laughs> um, but, you know, good on him for, you know, being one of the first, I think, to, re- to really get vocal about it. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I think the narrative is changing. And it starts off with dudes like that, you know. But it's like, why wasn't there more? Suicide rates were still bad back when I was younger and even before then. And it's like, you know, why is it taking so long? Why was it only one person? Um, I think my, like when I think now to who comes to mind when I think about mental health in New Zealand, suicide rates and all that, 
Another person is Mike King. He's become a bit of a spokesperson uh, for mental health in New Zealand. You know, him being a Maori man. Um, but he's like he's a he's an ex comedian as well. Um, you know, he sort of passed his the main part of his career, and it's like it's pretty crazy. Like the only two people who are coming to mind is John Kerwin, ex All Black, and Mike King, who's an ex comedian. And it's like not to say that there's anything wrong with those dudes because they're they're legends, New Zealand legends. But it's like you would think that there would be more people talking about it, right? Like more, um, dare I say, important people. You know, we're the doctors, we're the people with the PhDs, we're the psychologists and therapists. We're like we're the people from the Ministry of Health. Why aren't they up there? You know, like having a part to say in it. And it's just interesting. So, like in New Zealand, the suicide rates we have the highest youth suicide rate in the world. And it says developed world, but I don't know what the hell that means. Like, what does that mean, developed world? Um, but yeah, which is insane. Um, and in particular, uh, Māori and Pacific Islander men are overrepresented in all those statistics. Which is like, they're so crazy, man, when I think about it. And it's only something that has become real apparent to me in probably, I would say like the last five years last five or so years that how, how big of an issue it is um like growing up like anyone who's from new zealand growing up in new zealand if you had like a relatively good upbringing which i did i'm very fortunate very privileged hashtag brown privilege um to have the upbringing that i did um you never i never saw new zealand being the kind of place that would have issues like this like these really deep-seated issues like this i there was no if you told me you know asked me what country do you think has the highest youth suicide? I definitely wouldn't have said um, New Zealand. It would have been the last on my list for sure. You know, we, we grew up with this idea of New Zealand being this green, clean country. Um, we're like overachievers. You know, we're a country that's so small, but we do real big things. And um, I don't know, we just have this, like I always had this image of New Zealand just being the best country ever, you know? considering how small it is people would always come from overseas and talk about how beautiful our country was i remember we had those two backpackers who came it was like a couple of years ago and they left and they wrote an article that kind of went viral throughout new zealand just about like how awesome their time was in new zealand how welcoming we were and it was like it, you know it makes you feel really proud to be a kiwi to be a new zealander and um well it definitely did for me i never had any idea that like under all of that there was just this crazy shit that was going on with mental health you know people are young kids are dying you know ah, it's horrible man horrible but i just never envisioned it when i was younger um i've been like i've been reading quite a few articles about it and listening to people do interviews and it's been interesting like the one thing that stands out that's in that's mentioned in nearly all of them is like like the kind of tough guy attitude that we have in New Zealand, you know, the she'll be right, the you know, harden up mate attitude that, you know, we all know all too well. Um, and I think, yeah, a little bit is good, right? Because you, you know, as men, you're men are meant to have a little bit of grit. You know, they are meant to be a little bit calloused. But I think it's, you know, you don't want it to get to the point where it becomes destructive to you and to your family and, the people around you, your community. So it's like, yeah, try to find this like good little balance where it's, you can be a tough man, a gritty man, 
but still be vulnerable enough to be able to work through your issues. I think that's a hard middle ground to find. Like, people make it out like, oh, just be vulnerable. But it's like, yeah, but, you know, most men have really hard jobs, really, really hard jobs that they don't want to be working in. Like, it's become cliche, the, you know, the, the father who hates his job, you know, comes home, he's just worn out, he's burnt out, um, he just wants to sit on the couch, sit on his own recliner with a beer in his hand and just be a mute for the rest of the day. You know, he just doesn't have the energy to do anything. That's become a bit of a cliche. And I think it doesn't take too long to think about, you know, your own peers, the people around you, if you're a New Zealander, even if you're an Australian, um, you know, you can think of people like that. And so it's like, you know, we want you to be callous enough and gritty enough to be able to work through these hard jobs and to, to provide for your family and to work to the point where you're burnt out. But it's like, we also want you to be vulnerable and be able to work through your shit. And uh, it's just, you know, for a lot of men like that, I think that's a really difficult place to be. Especially because it's kind of seen as a badge of honor to work until you're burnt out to provide for your family. As it should be, though. As it should be. Because that's a very honorable thing to do. Whether you know, men and women go out there, they work, work themselves um, till they're burnt out completely and it, all to provide which is an awesome thing but like at what cost you know, what is the cost of that um, and it makes me think you know uh, it's just hard for some hard for some families out there trying to provide and but you're working and you burn yourself out and then you've got to deal with the pressure and you just can't you don't have time to work through your problems you know, for me, the industry that I work in is youth work, and I think one thing that all a lot of youth work, the most of them, um, youth work organisations have is a thing called EAP. So the young people that I work with um, are very challenging. They have lots of challenging behaviours. They can be physically abusive, um, verbally abusive. Um, they can make horrific comments. They talk about your family members in certain ways, and anything, anything to sort of get under your skin. And then you also got to deal with the stories that they tell you about the trauma that they've been through. So some of the crazy, and like, I'm telling you, like, I don't care what you've seen on TV, what you think you've heard, like, there is nothing that will shake your core more than some of the story that the stories that these kids have, because they have had some horrific experiences. And maybe not even the ones that they'll tell you, but the ones that you read, like, if you read through their file and um, see what their family life is like, and, um, like, some of the shit is horrific. And so... What EAP does is it's a it's like a counselling and therapy service for the workers, and you get so many free sessions a year. And the idea of it is that like you know people can go through um, you know vicarious trauma, which is sort of uh, when you hear a story and it's so horrific that it, it impacts you and it causes you to have you know experience trauma as well, just through listening to how horrific some of these stories are. So this place, you know, they help you work through the issue so that you're not taking this stuff home with you and that you can process, you know, big incidents that have happened at work, things that are going on. So, you know, and the, the kickback for that is that, you know, there's not a high burnout rate for some of these youth work organizations because people are working through these tough shifts, um, this tough information that they, you know, kids are disclosing to them. Um, and, oh, oh, yeah, at the end you get more productivity, right? But the thing with that is, like, I think that's an amazing service. It's awesome. And I think they should have it in more workplaces. Like the, imagine if you had that at like, um, you know, the freezing works or at the, whatever factory there is. And 
because people who are going to work are dealing with some serious shit. And if they're working long as hours, they get home and then they're having to attend to their family or their you know family lives. Like when are people ever getting time to work through any of their shit? You know, I think that would be something that would be awesome if, like, the government could give them... Because I know it costs money. It costs lots of money. Um, but if the government could give out sort of, like, a grant in some way... Yeah, we have to pay a little bit more in our taxes. But, like, imagine that. Imagine, like, a service. You know, you have five free sessions. Um, and, like, like I'm not saying people can work through everything in, in five free sessions. But, like, at least it's kind of... Um, it's, like, kind of like a gateway, you know? Like, once you realize that all this stuff has come to surface and there's so many things you have to address maybe it just opens a gate for you to be like you know what maybe i should invest in getting some proper therapy um and you know putting money where where it can be spent the best which is on your mental health my goodness but yeah eap is the shit so good on anybody or any organization that has that for their workers because that's how that, that helps so many people um i know several people who have used it and it's um yeah that's awesome um so uh, like i said before the suicide rates are through the roof and maori and pacific islanders are overrepresented in those areas so i think like to kind of start addressing the issue you would have to address issues attributed to culture as hard as as hard as it is for people to do you know you've got to think if we're overrepresented in those areas there is something about our culture that is um you know that we're not that that needs to change. There's this uh, interesting video clip on YouTube with a guy called Ben Shapiro, and if you know him, you either you probably either hate him or love him. Um, he is a little bit of a troll. I'll give him that. Um, but this, you know, he has really good debates with people, and he, um, yeah, he's, he's he goes pretty hard in the paint when it comes to debating and talking social issues with people. And there was this one video that he's up on the stage and they're talking about um, African-Americans and just some of the issues within, um, you know, some of the stats that they're overrepresented in, which is a lot, very similar to, um, you know, our minority, minority groups in New Zealand and Australia. So it's he's on the stage and there's two other um, African-Americans who I'm, I'm not sure, sure what, like, I think they might, I'm not sure, they're, they're just there to debate him. I'm not sure who they are. Um, and then someone asked Ben, like, what do you think is the main cause to a lot of these issues? And then Ben Shapiro turns around and goes, well, it has to be culture. And then the whole place erupts. Like, people in the crowd are like, oh, my gosh, can't believe you said that. The two people on stage start laughing. They're, like, throwing their hands in the air. And I think it was kind of to the – they were implying that, like, what – like, oh, they can't believe that this white guy is saying this, you know? That it must be, like, a – that it must be like you know, he, a racist thing to do or a racist statement to make. And he and he backs up what he says and he starts listing off all these very specific statistics about African-Americans and like how they are attributed to their culture because, you know, that's, it, it does make sense. And it's like, you know, for Pacific Islanders New Zealand, you know, this whole be humble G Nah, gee, I'm humble, I'm humble. <laughs> well, I hope we're humble enough to admit that there's things in our culture that are negatively impacting our people. You know, let's be humble enough to admit that. Um, and I think that some of these things may contribute to our poor mental health. Surely, it would have to. Um, 
again, I'm not an expert. Definitely not an expert. But like, I'm just assuming. Um, one thing that I think has a huge impact is family violence. Um, I think this one is huge. And I think we all know I'm not talking about little booty smacks for being a smart ass. No, I'm not talking about those little smacks. I'm talking those real proper hidings. Like if the government knew you would be in a foster care type of hidings. Um, that crazy shit that you used to hear when you're growing up. People getting um, smacked over the head with chairs and beaten with bits of wood and like crazy shit. Um, you know, it's not normal for kids to be beaten the fuck out of. That isn't normal. And we've got to think like, what effect is that having on kids as they get older? And it's like, it's become like a, it's so common that it's become like a laughing point. People laugh about the hidings they get. It becomes like a bragging thing. You know, they brag about, oh, that happened to you, bro? Well, I got, he threw me off a building. Like just crazy shit. People always are trying to compare and outdo each other and shit. And it's, it's a little bit like it's kind of sad if you ever look at like if you, if you ever get in a conversation where people are talking about big hidings that they used to get find a Balangi's face and look at their face while you're telling these stories that's the response you should have to kids getting beaten the shit out of the response should be of shock and like whoa that's fucked up because it's not right um you know and, and please stop calling it discipline Stop calling it discipline because if discipline was the outcome, we wouldn't also be overrepresented in incarceration rates, involvement in violent crimes throughout the country. So stop calling it discipline because clearly that's not what we're getting from it. You know, if you know that whole um, see like a, a little white kid acting up in the middle of the store and being like, oh, if he was a salmon kid, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, because he would be scared shitless, right? That's what you're saying. What you're saying is that, yeah, he'll get a hiding for doing that. As if that's okay. It's like normal for kids to act out. That's what they're meant to be like. Their brains aren't developed. But yeah, I don't like it when people call that discipline. Um, you know, it's forced respect from violence is what it is. And like, I'm not sure what the correlation is to be exact. You know, I'm not sure if there even is one. Uh, but it's very interesting hearing how like severe trauma to the head has caused a lot of athletes from physical sports to fall into severe depressive episodes. And if you're getting the shit beat out of you at a young age, who knows what your brain looks like? Like, you know, if you've been getting hidings your whole life, and like, I gotta say, and like, I always say that, and like, and like, I gotta, I gotta stop saying that. But if you're getting that constantly, you know, from when you're young through to your sort of teen years and then you're going in and you're playing rugby which most of us do or playing league um, you know it's a little worrying you know makes me wonder again I don't know what the correlation is not an expert here I'm just saying it's interesting it's interesting and we know how big family violence is within the Pacific Island community we know um, but yeah and just from my experience as a Pacific Islander. Again, everything I'm saying here is from, you know, things I've observed, been a part of, or um, you know, anecdotal evidence, of course. Um, but I think Pacific Islanders are terrible communicators as far as, like, expressing the way that you feel. Um, and there's this, like, weird sort of secret squirrel thing that goes on in a lot of families. Um 
you know, the skeletons in Pacific Islander families' closets are crazy. Like, and things just sort of get swept under the carpet. And it's like, no, let's not talk about that. We can't bring it up. You know, it becomes like these little quiet whispers and family members sort of gossiping about it a little bit. And things might come up when people are drunk and they have these big emotional outbursts and they hug and they, it's just a little bit crazy, you know? It's like, why are we such terrible communicators? Why, why is it like this sort of secret squirrel culture where it's like, we don't mention anything from the past. We don't talk about any horrific shit that's gone on. We just sort of keep trucking along. We try to persevere and I don't know what that is, eh? But I've noticed it and it's pretty crazy. Um, I've got to think back to like the, for kids not wanting to speak up, they ha- the, there must be a link between that and being beaten as a kid, right? Like it sort of teaches you to just be quiet, you know, to go be quiet in your room, go simmer in your room, go be elsewhere. Don't come out here and try and be all loud and vocal and stuff like that. Be quiet and behave. And I think a lot of kids are scared, you know, they're too scared to come and talk to their parents. Yeah, afraid of, of what the of what the outcome will be, you know? Disappointing them, shame. That's a huge one in Pacific Islander families. Shame. Like bringing shame to your family and crazy. Sorry, I'm having a sip of my coffee. <laughs> Sorry. It's be horrible to listen to. Um, but yeah, communication, man. <sighs> you know, our pride uh, of our pride is a beautiful thing. We should be proud to be who we are, of our culture, of where we're from, but like not so proud that it becomes destructive, you know? You don't want it to stop us from being able to reach out for help and like, you know, speak to people and admit that things are wrong. Like you don't have to, you don't have to white knuckle through these crazy life experiences that you're having, you know? You can share them with somebody and you can talk about them. You know, be proud, but not don't let that destroy you. Um, I think not just Pacific Islanders. I mean, I think overall, I think men are just bad communicators. And I know there's like a real cliche thing for like a female to say, be like, I just wish you would talk more. But uh, like, it doesn't take much. You know, you don't have to look too far when your peer group or people that you know um, to recognize it's an issue. Like a lot of the the males that are, have been in my life, um, a lot of the older males, family members, and stuff like that, uh, have been pretty pretty terrible at, at expressing how they feel. I've had some pretty interesting um, experiences where it's like, whoa, like you can't even like it, it's so hard for you to just talk about something. Um, and like my experience working in a youth justice residence, which for a universal term is a, is a juvie, juvenile um, detention center, the hardest thing to do with those young boys was getting them to talk about the root cause of an issue. Like that was the biggest issue working with young boys. The biggest issue. You could spend, like you would spend hours trying to talk to a kid, trying to use your rapport and your relationship and trying to get them to express what was going on for them at that time. And these boys, just they just really struggled with it. You know, like, and sometimes, like, it wasn't even, like, a really heavy issue. Like, it wasn't, like, a real big issue. It would be something really tiny, like, they assaulted, like, someone, like, they might be an assault, and, like, they've been abusive or, you know, damaged property or something. 
and it might come down to something as simple as, oh, I wanted a certain flavor of ice block, but he got it and I didn't get it. And so they, and like, something as small as that, and they can't even, like, they don't have the skills to be able to express that. Which I thought was so crazy, man. Anybody who's worked with me in that juvie, and people will, will talk to it as well, you know, you might have a kid, let's say you have a kid who's with you for six months. You might work with them a lot, um, as intensively as you can in that environment. Uh, you know, they might you might work up, and it might be all up until five months before they have this sort of breakthrough moment where they can talk to you, where they can talk to you about their feelings and how they're feeling and things that are going on for them. And even then, you know, you know, you know, they're only letting out a little bit. You know, they're not speaking, um, they're not speaking with complete honesty about how they feel. And I understand like these kids, like those kids are. You know, they're some of the the most vulnerable kids in the country, um, the most disadvantaged, uh, some of the most challenging behaviors. But it's like these kids, the communication skills that they lack is that is just, you know, that's been passed on by the older men, right? right? Their parents, the other men that they've been around, like it's this, you know, you haven't generations aren't passing on these like really valuable skills on how to communicate to their kids and then this is the result you know um it's just yeah it's crazy to think about and like i remember thinking back on working at that place and being like damn these boys man they're gonna struggle you know no matter like even if they get on the straight and narrow the inability to communicate is going to be something that's going to be crippling for them for a very long time you know Communicating is a skill. You know, not everybody has it. It's not just as simple as like, oh, find a friend, bro. Go talk to them. Talk about your feelings. You know, I, I feel like it's a skill like anything, like cooking and cleaning or whatever. You know, if you don't, if you don't work at it, if you don't practice it, you're not good at it. So you're not going to be able to develop. It's not something that you just um, sit down, learn one day, and then you have it. You know, that's why things like, you know, are you okay day? It's not weak to speak. They're, sure, they're great campaigns. I don't doubt that. They create awareness. They sort of try to change the narrative around being able to speak about things. But but what use are they if you actually don't have that skill? And I think people underestimate how hard it is to speak with complete honesty about your feelings. That shit is hard. That is really, really hard. Um, I, I struggle with that, for sure. I know so many males that struggle with that. And, you know, for, like for me... I've grown up with so much support. I still have so much support. Like there's there's so many people I can go to and talk about things and they would, you know, give me constructive feedback and help me. But even then, there's probably five, maybe five people on this planet that I, I can speak with complete honesty with. You know, that I wouldn't be ashamed to talk, tell them how I'm feeling, um, break down, be completely vulnerable. There's probably only five, you know. And so we've got to think about people who don't have those support networks and don't, and like, my mum my was awesome growing up. My parents were awesome. They were, you know, they gave me an opportunity, they taught me how to talk through things. They were, they helped me be, you know, to learn how to communicate and um, talk through everything. They were awesome. And so I've got to think, what about the people who didn't have that? And I know that there's so many of them, because I've worked with those kids. I've worked with those kids and, ugh, my gosh. Um, yeah what can be done what is the I think I would like to see the government 
drop some serious dollar bills on that shit. Put psychologists everywhere. Put counselors everywhere. Put therapists everywhere. You know, more jobs need an EAP service. Government grants, just drop it. Yeah, I know it sounds expensive, but if we can drop the hammer on things like the buying back the guns after the Moss shooting, if we can just drop cash on a fucking change the flag referendum, um, then surely we can drop the hammer on something that's killing our people. That makes sense to me. I was so sh- you know when they, after the Moss shootings, right? Horrible thing. It's terrible, and I know that. Um, I see the argument for both sides of having the buying back the guns and not doing it. I get it. But it just was quite shocking to me how quickly that happened after that big event. And I was like, whoa, you mean you can just make decisions like that and just do it? I always thought that there was so much red tape in the way of being able to make a big decision like that for the country. And I know I've got, I have a relative who's a, um, who loves hunting. Him and his kids love going hunting. Um, and they, they got sort of caught up in it as well. They had to give their guns back. And it's like, they kind of feel it's divided the country in a way. You know, not everybody agrees. That's kind of something that you would do over time. You would have a referendum maybe, or um, you would let the people have more time to decide. But it's like, they got done in weeks. I'm sure it was weeks. It's like, well, so you can just do that. And don't even get me started on that fucking change the flag referendum bullshit <sighs> like wherever you stood on that like whether you think the flag should change or it shouldn't change it's like when you found out how many millions that was and i don't want to say it because i'm not actually entirely sure of the number um but i remember at the time finding out and being like what we spent how many fucking millions on that and just being shocked i was like if you can just throw money at that like that and surely Surely you can do something, that, you know, drop the hammer on something that's killing our kids. A very crass way to say it, but that's the reality. Those are young kids who are dying, you know, 15 to 24. That's the, well, 15 to 25, I think. That's what, you know, the age bracket for youth. The youth suicide rates, that's what they consider youth. 15? Bro, that's, that's a baby, you know? You know, for Māori and Pacific Islanders, I think looking inwards at what we can do better within our own homes, within our own communities, you know, the people around you immediately, breaking the cycles within your own family, that's the most important thing. Um, And don't buy into these articles that talk about institutional and cultural racism unless they are being very, very specific. Just saying that doesn't mean it exists. And we all know it exists somewhere. Like, I definitely think there is elements of it, but I couldn't point it out to you you know, like if we don't know specifically what it is, like what institution are you talking about? You know, if we don't know what it is specifically, we can't begin to fix anything. Um, you just end up waving a tiny stick at an enormous problem, you know. Whereas issues within your own home, breaking the cycles down, the people around you, um, you know, like Michael Jackson, man, the man in the mirror type shit fixing that stuff now you're waving a big stick at a smaller issue and that was a terrible analogy i'm sorry <laughs> you know what i mean yeah be, be careful when saying big stick <laughs> yeah but like anyone who's, who comes up to you and tries to 
you know, any article that you read or politician that says we have to target institutional racism, that's not going to help you and your family that second or that year or that month. That's something that's like, I don't, yeah, I'm always very iffy on that. Especially when they don't tell you specifically. Anybody who's going to talk about that should come with very fine details and a solution. And if you don't have either of those, you're no help to anybody. Um, and you know what else would be nice? Maybe there would be, like being a subject at school, you're, you're learning about how to communicate and, me, and mental health, you know, where mental health is discussed. Because I don't know if they do it now. Like, I've been out of school for a while now. Uh, I don't know if they do it now, but they definitely didn't when I was at school. You know, maybe make it make it compulsory. Um, yeah, the, some of the compulsory, like I remember, like the cooking class, and like some of the shit that we made. Like after the calzone, is that how you say it? Calzone. I remember making one of them at high school. I've never fucking made one of them ever. Uh, you know, it's like maybe make that compulsory that you have to talk about. You, know, you learn how to communicate. Um, I understand that it is on the parents, but you know, wouldn't that be nice if you know those were skills that you were taught by your parents at home, and then it was also something that was discussed at school to reinforce that. <coughs> yeah, maybe make it part of physical education. You do physical health and you do mental health. Yeah. Well, actually, that probably means that PE teachers would actually have to do something. (laughs) Instead of being pedophiles. (laughs) No, I take that back. That's a gross joke. Kidding, people. I'm kidding. Look, I don't know what the answer is. But it's it's healthy to discuss these things. Um, That's just some of my perspectives on the on the topic you know the more we talk about it the more the narrative will shift and the culture will hopefully change as well you know reach out to people look for help ask for help you know every life is important regardless of what you've done or who you are and yeah it's just sad when you think about those numbers and it's just like it's easy to just brush by them as just being numbers because you just read it on a screen or on a bit of paper and it's like nah those are people's brothers sisters you know mothers aunties cousins fathers sons what you know they're, they're real people and they're you know I, I know a lot of people who have been affected by this and so it's important have these conversations but um please face slide into my DMs let me know what your thoughts are you know am I way off do you agree do you disagree um, are you outraged by something I said you know let's let's have a proper discussion you know what i mean don't just um don't talk in memes and don't talk in sharing quotes by you know famous people and stuff like that you know i'm down for a conversation definitely down for a conversation um but until the next time until the next episode please take care look after yourselves um and thank you for listening bye